Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's numbers being touted, you know, upwards of three, four, five hundred million dollars. Yeah. Have you turned that down then? No, I n- I've never had an offer trying to compete with Liv and the Saudis' money is like completely unsustainable. They can't do that. These guys that have jumped, that have just started to talk crap about where they've come from, it's like, guys, it's not a great look. Mm. Tiger was my hero growing up. People say like, oh, you don't want to meet your heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Bale, the way he hits the ball, he could definitely be a scratch player. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Don't ask people for autographs. Yeah. <laughs> I fancy Gary, yeah. Morning, morning. Look how plain you lot are, bro. I know, I, I, it's just I don't even need to try it, with you. I don't even need to try with you lot, man. Look you at know you. what, one week plain, we've all got to wear one of them. Plain, yeah, I'm going to wear one. Nice one, Rory's got some colour. One week yeah. we've all got to wear You're going to wear one? Yeah. I don't think I'd look good in that. <laughs> <laughs> try to go, team two. No, you can't, can't mess your hair up now. It won't fit my head, I don't think either. No, but it expands. What's wrong with you? Okay. Hello, my sis. How are you, you, sis? You cool? (laughs) Nice to see your lovely face. Oh, it expands. I told you it expands. It expands. I know you haven't got to do much here, so. (laughs) Let me see Gary first. (laughs) Jesus Christ. The the wee bit at the front there looks good. (laughs) Look at you. Is it bad? Thank you. I don't know what you look like, girl. Not a hat man, are you, Gary? Everybody can be a hat man. You just have to find the right size. That's the kind of thing that puts people off of wearing a hat. You're not a hat man. Oh, look at you. You don't put people off. Give me my hat, man. You put people uh, off, man. You don't, yeah, come on, hey, shouting, come, come on, come on. Now. We normally have croissants here, don't we? Yeah, that's all wrong. Throw me. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's like, that's where the question is. It's like we've gone right. five at the back, isn't it? We're all confused, isn't it? It's, just keep it right. basic. Four, four, two, lads. Let's go. Ready? Stop. Gary, you're tired, Great. aren't you? You had a couple yeah. of late nights. A little bit. That's your problem, Gary. He's a hellraiser. You've become you're a hellraiser. You're starting to do too much. Yeah. Do you have a good time, though, Gary? Very nice. Because that's what I want you to do right now. Because I really feel like you need to chill. Okay, anyway, let's go. Yeah. Right. 
Welcome to Stick to Football, brought to you by Skybet, and we're joined by a golfing legend that is Rory McIlroy, who is also a massive Manchester United fan, and your hero growing up was? David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> was that after your meeting with Roy Keane in a hotel in Ireland? Uh, it might have been, yeah. Um, I can't believe we're just going to go straight in. We'll go straight yeah. in. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an elephant in the room that we so, need to get yeah. out. I'm getting defensive. So, I'm going to fall on my arms. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, get Don't get defensive. Don't so um, I was down at uh, Permarnock Links Hotel and the Irish team were staying. Um, and it was a training camp, I think. And I saw one of my Man United heroes in the lobby, Roy Keane. And I went over and asked him for an autograph. How old was you, Roy? And, uh, 12. 12, yeah, okay. Yeah, and he looked up at me. He was sitting down. He looked up and he goes, not today, kid. It's like okay. Um, that's awful. No, I, that, that's awful. Is that true? Is it, that... Was, it was. True. <laughs> Does it sound like you? Listen, a twelve-year-old, a twelve-year-old. Where's the tall scene? Man United. It's fine. It's fine. You look. That. You look busy. It was... Right. I'm probably. You know, I'm probably in the zone. But are we going training or? No? I, I mean, I mean, I know you had your your spats in the Irish team over the years. Right. So I don't know if you were just in a bad mindset or I don't know what was happening. No, the only thing I'd remember about that hotel, honestly, it was always like kids around annoying the players. <laughs> <laughs> it was another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your vibe, though. But, but it's all right. It didn't, yeah, it didn't make an impression zone, on right. me at all. So oh, it was all right. It was fine. Oh, well. so, have you, so yourself then, Roy, have you ever refused? Yeah, I have. I mean, I saw the reason I, people know this story because they said, oh, you know, you like to, Tried to give back to kids. I said, yeah, and I have this story because it stayed with me with Roy Keane, big hero of mine, whatever. But, of course, I think we've all been in positions where we've been busy or we've had to take a phone call or whatever. And you're like, mm. oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I can't, I mean, it's, you can't please everyone. It's hard to, you try your best. Yeah. You really try your best to try to give everyone time, especially, you know, younger people and, and kids. But... It's hard, you know. It's, I mean, he was just really unlucky, hard. wasn't he? Mm. That the person he said no to. He's one of the greatest golfers uh, ever yeah. in the world. Yeah. Oh, no, there could be another four or five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it, Roy? Because I understand you have a unique approach to it, don't you, in terms of sort of like generally? Because, I mean, I was at the party with you on Saturday night and someone came over to you and your face just straight away went a little bit serious. Like, it's like a, just a, what is it? What is it that you don't so like? We're at a party, weren't we? Yeah. It wasn't a, no, I, I'm still going to fight my corner over this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it depends on the time and if you're in the zone or what, where you are mentally, I suppose. But I feel bad if that's, if that's 100% true. You know, I wouldn't just snub a little kid. Fucking hell, give me a break. But I'm just thinking I must have been... Just normal Roy. Were you, <laughs> <laughs> were you polite, Rory, or did you... Were you <coughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say he was. Well, I was, Jesus. I mean... Can we move on? No, <laughs> no. Let's, let's take him through this. No, let's take him through this. No, let's right. take him through it. It's just a whole podcast, just what happened. <laughs> but I've gotten over it and it's all, Brilliant. you know, we've, we've, yeah. we've made up now and we're, yeah. we're, we're best of friends. But to be fair, to, to, to Roy's defence, because obviously I'm, we, we, we do a lot together and, that, and people do ask, but some people are really rude and, yeah. and, and, and their approach is not right. So sometimes... You know, you do feel like you, you want to pull someone up and say, can you at least just say, please, you've already got your phone dragging people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's one of those situations where you see that. And like, I've been with Roy where he said, can you just, just ask nicely? Just ask nicely sometimes. It's the I'm camera phones now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. And it's the selfies and it used to be autographs and now it's selfies mm. and it's everything. And it's, <clears throat> now it's video. There's, there's a time and a place, mm. you know, and it's, you know, whether you're with your family or you're, having dinner or whatever there's a there's a time and a place to 
for people to approach you. And I think that's the that's the thing that I think someone in a position that's well known, it, it's you can get frustrated at times, but you have to someone reminded me it's like, you know, you're you can literally make someone's day it is, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Twenty times a day, which is a, a really nice position. Anyone ever demands well. you that, Roy? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel guilty, Jim. I do feel guilty. Run, but, right, let's move on. but yeah, this is enough. This is enough. A kid in a hotel is not that stressful, to be honest with you. Right, let's move on. Rory, in the last year or two, obviously, football's got a similar situation with what's happening with, obviously, the Saudi League and with the footballers going over there, the managers going over there, and their approach to, obviously, bring world-class sporting events to Saudi Arabia. And you've been, I suppose, in some ways, fighting the corner of the PGA Tour, but also, generally, of golfers. What is it, actually, fundamentally, that you don't like about Live Golf to start with? So I think the one thing for me is golf has always been built on meritocracy. You shoot the scores, you um, rise up the ranks, and you get, you get rewarded accordingly. Um, and I think what's, in a way, what Liv has done, it's really, it's exposed flaws in the system of, of what golf has because we're all supposed to be independent contractors and we can sort of basically pick and choose what tournaments we want to play. But I think what, live and the Saudis have exposed is okay well if you have you know a tour and you're going and you're asking sponsors for millions of dollars to sponsor these events and you're not able to guarantee those sponsors the players that are going to show up mm. you know it's very hard it, it I can't believe they've done so well for so long yeah. so it's actually exposed some flaws in the system that hopefully golf will have a look at more okay well if we're going to ask these people for so much money we need to be able to guarantee them what they're getting and I think that was part of the stuff that we've been trying to do for the last two years to figure out, okay, how can we basically try and bring the thing back together again and, and, and learn from some of the things that have happened and some of the stuff that Liv has, has exposed. And yeah, I still, I feel like it, there was a way to do it where it wasn't going to be this massive disruptor to the game. And I think that's the other thing to me. It's like, it's just, it's created this massive upheaval in, in professional golf, which has been sad to see and it's like some people have taken one side some people have taken another and golf's a small enough sport it's not like football where you've got billions of fans so if you start dividing the eyeballs in professional golf it's no good for anyone it's just yeah. going to cannibalize itself so I, you know what i was going to say rory in respect of it is um do, do you think that the pga because obviously now once live live got involved they really laced their boots up properly and started to maybe look after people a bit more and say, oh, we're going to do this now, we can do that now. If Liv don't, if Liv don't do that, then the PJ, they just carry on doing exactly what they were doing. Surely they're so, driving them up. Well, so competition is good, right? Yeah. It, it, it makes people... Um, but at the same time, I think with the PJ Tour trying to compete with Liv and the Saudis' money is like completely unsustainable. Mm. They can't do that. They just, it's not, you know, you're never going to win a fight if you're just, you know, money for money because yeah. I think we've seen in all sport, like, there's no one spending like the Saudis. So how can you how can you tilt the odds in your favor so that you can make your product better, that you can make fans want to engage more with, with what you're doing? I think that's how the PGA Tour can, I, I don't want to say win this fight because, you know, there's negotiations going on and everyone trying to come back together, which I think would be good for golf. Um, but it it put the PGA Tour in a position where they had to spend a lot of money that, maybe put them on a path that was that was unsustainable and now you're seeing some sponsors are pulling out because the tour are asking for so much money and 
the sponsors like we can't you know we can't afford that we can't afford it we can't you know asking us to pay 20 25 million an event to to sponsor this thing i mean it's you know if they're not seeing the value in it mm. and they're not seeing okay well if you can guarantee me that the top 50 guys are going to come and play in my event that week then fine but if you can't guarantee me that then i'm not going to give you that money i mean you've been quite outspoken about it yourself and probably tiger woods has seen as the two on this side a lot of golfers have gone to to live when you're talking about now they could actually come together yeah if they do come together what why would you not then be, be part of of live so and, i think and, it's, and get the you know sort of like the finances that these other players are getting which is astronomical well i think you would in the end because if if live are so the thing that i that i've come to realize is okay if you've got people or a sovereign wealth fund wanting to spend money in your sport ultimately that's a good thing but you just want to maybe get them to spend it the right way and to spend it on things that that are important in the game so um instead of giving someone a hundred million dollars why don't you put 50 million into a grassroots program for the rna or the usga so that you can actually help whenever they say growing the game you know, spending that money elsewhere to actually grow the game and not just try to buy talent, I think is would be a way better um, way to, to spend that money. Have you lost so. friends? Have you lost friends or you, you, everything's still cool with people? Most things are cool. I think the one thing that's bothered me is, you know, I think we've all grown up, played on European Tour, PGA Tour, and that's given us a platform to turn into who we have and give us the profile and everything. So when people play have played that for say 15 or 20 years and then they jump to live and then they just start talking crap about where they've come from that's what bothers me because like well you wouldn't be in this position if you didn't have what you had coming up so like i you know it's like moving moving club right you you know you're gonna you know you move club and might get frustrated and, and people move but you're always gonna you're hopefully gonna appreciate what that previous club did for you and what it, you know, and, and that's the thing that's bothered me sometimes with some of these guys that have jumped that have just started to talk crap about where they've come from. It's like, guys, you know, that's, yeah. it doesn't, it's not a great look. Mm. I, I mentioned you and Tiger Woods, obviously two of the, you know, the greatest players certainly playing now probably for a long time. So you are both obviously financially well off because you're so successful. Can you understand, say, some of the guys who've gone to live golf who are not as good as you and maybe don't have the sort of revenue that, that you've got for maybe sponsors that have, have made that move across? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, we're professional golfers. We play golf to make a living and, and, and make money. I, I absolutely understand it, especially some of these guys that were on like the back end of their career. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't begrudge anyone for going and taking that money and, and doing something different, but don't don't try to burn the place down on your right. way out. Yeah, right. you know, I think that's sort of my my attitude towards it because some people are are happy playing, you know, in the existing structure, and that's totally fine too. But I think it's just created this division that hopefully will stop in the near future because I think it's the best thing for golf. To what about the the, the, the golf who's just moved? I think in the last probably few weeks, John Rahm. Yeah. And I feel like he was so strong and aligned with you, you know, on this side. I mean, how did you feel personally when he he's jumped across? I think at this point with the, <laughs> so this whole framework agreement and, and the sort of merger news back in June, I think what happened is the tours legitimized what Liv was trying to do. So it made it, made it easier for guys to, to jump. You know, John Ram's not got any of the heat that the, the first guys got for, for going. So it's made it easier for, for guys to, to jump. And I think John, 
you know, he's, he's smart and I think he sees things coming together uh, at some point. So he's like, okay, I, you know, take a lot of upfront money, um, which is his prerogative. He can absolutely do that. And if things come together, I'll just, you know, I'll maybe play live for a year, come back, play on the tour and maybe play some team golf on the, on the sort of fringes. Um, so I thought it was quite, you know, it's, it's a smart business move. It's opportunistic. I think he, he sees that things will come back together and, you know, and he's, he's in a lucky position. He's exempt for all the majors. Um, there's not one person that wouldn't want them on our Ryder Cup mm -hmm. team because of, you know, how good he is. So he was in a great position where there wasn't a ton of risk involved for, for him to go. Um, but I've, I've no problem with John going. If that's what he wants to do and he thinks that's the right decision for him and his family, then, you know, who am I to say any different at this point? Rory, the, the sums are eye-watering that are being mentioned on the football side, but also on the golf side. I'm asking yeah. a couple of direct questions. You may not want to answer them, but what would be the difference in money that you would earn on a PGA Tour compared to what you would have been offered on the Live Tour? Because you'll have, you'll have been approached, absolutely, Gary, you, know, you will have been approached, you'll have been made an offer and you've turned that down. What are the differences in money that they're offering? I think it's the guaranteed part of it, which is, you know, what golfers do you guarantee? never... How, how does it work? What do they do? Guarantee you an upfront sort of like signing on pay? Yeah, like a contract. So, okay, you, go, you come and play for Live Golf for five or six years and you have a contract and we'll pay you whatever it is per year. Plus, then you're going to compete for this prize money as well. So... What would um, the numbers be for that signed on deal? No, just, uh, uh, just so we can I mean, it, it depends. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but I mean... You know, there's numbers being touted for John Ram, you know, upwards of three, four, five hundred million dollars for, you know, that's that's what the numbers are. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, again, you, like you, you get you get. Have you turned that down? then? No, I, I've never had an offer. You just didn't welcome the offer? Or you, you didn't. Just... Well, yeah, I just didn't engage. Just didn't engage because mm. it's something that and I think at this point, like I. You know, I've pretty pretty much set my yeah. stall out, and did you get that now? Yeah, I can see the question coming up for you, buddy. I can see the question. You've been a bit hasty, Rory. No, no, but um, it's it's unbelievable. But it is. I know the numbers are, are, but it's happening in everything, right? Like obviously, all the stuff that's happening in football, F one. Um, you know, they're 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 getting into sport, and they, you know. Yeah, they're getting the World Cup in 2034. You know, so they're they're making a huge splash in the in the entire world of sport, and um, you know, no different than what you know the UAE have done in the past, and um, yeah, and and other countries. Do you worry that you can just be distracted by that instead of going? I just want to concentrate. Absolutely. Like I've I've been you know for the last two years I've been trying to fight the good fight and right. all this stuff, and at this point I'm like, well. I mean, like, I'm not that I've wasted. I've played well the last couple right. of years, and I've done. You know, I'm I'm in a good spot, but it's still, you know, it's not my job. At the end of the day, my job is to go out there and try to shoot the lowest score possible. Yeah. Do you, you feel know? like you're losing the fight a little bit now because everyone, because people like John Ram have gone over, people who were actually on your side to start with. Um, yeah. So I think I've, I've basically went through the last two years with this like altruistic approach of. I've sort of looked at the world in the way I've wanted to see it instead of just sort of, you know, going through life with, re not with, not like, not that I haven't, I've accepted reality basically, like this is what's going to happen and you can say what you want and do what you want, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to change people's minds. You're never going to be able to make them to yeah. make a decision based on what you say. So 
I don't, have I lost a fight? I don't feel like I've lost a fight, but I've just accepted the fact that this is part of our sport now. And um, You wouldn't have done anything different. You, you know, if this came again, it's not like you'd say, right, I'm not going to make this stance myself because a lot, a lot of the guys are probably going to slip off. Yeah. Um, you seem like you're on your own in it. Yeah, I think at this point it's like I'm not, I, I was maybe a little, um, I was probably judgmental of the guys that went at the start. And I think that was a bit of a mistake on my part because I now realize not everyone's in my position or in Tiger's position. And, you know, you, you get this offer and it's, you know, what do you do? It's, you know, we're all, we all turn professional to, to make a living playing the sports that we do. And um, I think that's what I realized over the last two years. I can't judge people for making that decision. And um, so if I regret anything, it was probably being too judgmental at the, at the start. But surely the legacy, lads, of golfers and footballers as well, again, you're professional, but we're not daft, you trying to make money, but surely your legacy will be, your priority will be winning big tournaments. Yeah. yeah and the rest, will, the rest will fall into place one day, whatever financial rewards come into it. Yeah, and that's, you know, I, I, whenever I dreamed of being a professional golfer, it was about winning trophies and right. it was about, you know, winning major championships. And then I just think I'm, and this happens in all sports, but I, to me, I'm just sick of the, the money talk in, yeah. in, in golf. It's like, because the fans don't care. Yeah. They just want to watch good golf and, and watch people compete against each other. And, you know, they don't care if you're making this or this guy's on 200 grand a week. It just, it doesn't. It doesn't resonate the football as well now in, in terms of sort of Saudi trying to take over golf, maybe football, the boxing. I, I think it's different in football and golf. In golf, you're trying to take over a whole sport, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Basically divide the whole sport. In, in football, they're trying to basically set up a league in their own country. So that is different, I think. They can't, so for instance, come and sort of buy the Premier League. Yeah, you're talking League. about players making a decision. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, we wouldn't be grudge. You, like, when we played with players, our lads would leave your club, or again, if lads went abroad, or obviously the Bosman Rula came into football. Yeah, I never once sat in a dressing room and begrudged a player making a decision mm. to to leave a club. Jordan Henderson, we all like, you know, Jordan's a good lad. Yeah. The, the bit I would look at certain players, maybe come towards the end of your career, do they cash in at the end or spoil a legacy or still have another year at a great club like a Liverpool or a Man United? But that's everyone's decision, isn't it? We played with yeah. great lads and they've often left you to... Oh, but that's it, that's their decision. But it's always happened yeah. players at the end of the career, whether it was go back to the 70s when people went to America. Yeah. George, George Best, Best, Bobby yeah. Moore, Pelé. You trying know, to claim along for yeah, a bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think, that we, I think you have to look with the Saudis, they're trying to start a league with, with, with like, the, look at the Premier League, what the Premier League have built and what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the same thing over there, maybe they could do it. But it can't, they can't be the Premier League, it's impossible. No, I'm not saying that they can be the Premier League, but there's nothing wrong with them trying to oh, yeah. do something no, to I, build. No, I agree with what that. What I'm saying is like, if you could, and the money, the money is going to attract the people, is, is, you know, you can't, that's something that's not going to be able well, to... Well, we're having the, the same chat with Ronnie O'Sullivan recently yeah. and, the, and we had Eddie Hearn in the box and it does come... The mm. Money is a huge part of the sport, yeah. whether we like it or not. And we can all sit there and go, oh, we, listen, we loved the game when we were kids and that's why we played the game, but your mindset changes as you get older when you're thinking the rewards are there and then you're going to be a long time retired and the way the game can... Especially mm. in football, it's a tough industry and you'll be finished at 34, wherever you can get injury when you're younger, so... Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Again, it's, it's, Do you feel yes. stitched up? You said, you said it. I think you said you felt like a sacrificial lamb because you were the PGA's basically front man fighting this, and they were as obviously as vocal as you were. You were the main voice fighting this, but then they've gone and got into bed with Liv. Do you just feel completely deflated and let down by it now? No, not really. So um, I met Yasser at the end of last year in 2022 in Dubai, and just said, "Look, what do you want?" What, what is it in golf that, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? Um, so we had a really good chat and we talked about, you know, he loves the game and he, um, 
you know, he, he wants to do certain things. He thinks the team element in golf can really, you know, take off and try to build franchise value in some of these teams. And, you know, I, I, I understood some of it. So when I got back to America at the start of this year, I, I was on the board of the PJ Tour, and I said to the guy, like, someone's got to go, you know, talk to this guy. So then there was a plan put in place that one of the board members would try to develop a relationship with him, see if we can try to figure something out and we can all move forward together. So I knew that there was conversations being had, but I didn't know that it would happen so quickly. And then obviously on June 6th, the framework agreement was announced and you know, a lot of the players were angered by it because they were completely blindsided by it. Were you blindsided? Because you're on the board. How could you? So I was... I, so I guess I knew it, had, it was a very intimate group of people. It was the commissioner of the PJ Tour, it was Yasser, and it was two board members. Right. The chairman of the board of the PJ Tour and, and another guy. And um, I knew there was conversations being had, but I didn't know. You know, it went from they met in uh, April and they got this agreement done in June. So it, it happened very, very quickly. Um, and people were just like, what, what has gone on? You know, because the PJ Tour were telling all their players you know, these are the bad guys are coming to yeah. take over our tour, this, and then All of a sudden, two months later, it's yeah. like, oh, we're actually going to do a deal with them. And you resigned then, didn't you? I resigned at the end of this year, but it was more to do with, um, it was just taking up too much of my time. I just want to get back to being mm. a golfer and playing golf and trying to, you know, win those tournaments that I dreamed about winning as, as a kid. Um, so that was, the, that, that was the reason for that. But it was also, you know, I, I, I hope everyone comes back together and people put their, you know, because the one thing is you've got guys on both sides that don't want it to happen for, for certain reasons. The live guys don't really want to come back and play the PGA Tour because they don't feel like they've been treated very well. Right. Some of the PGA Tour guys don't want things to come back together because they don't want to see those other guys. It's, so it's a, it's a really weird, so people I think at this point need to put their egos and their feelings aside and come back together and we all move forward because that would be what would be the best thing for golf. It, it, final question on this, is, it, is, it gonna come, is there going to come a point where you will be signing up to a live contract or a joint live contract and accepting the money in the end because they've come together with the PGA Tour? Um, I think, well, so uh, to me, what I would love live to turn into is almost like the IPL of golf. Right. So like IPL and cricket, I think is, mm. has been, and you know, they yeah. take two months during the calendar. We're like, okay, you got your four weeks in May and your four weeks in November. Yeah. And you go and you do this team stuff and it's mm. a bit different and it's a different format. If they were to do something like that, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like fun because you're, you're at least working yeah. within the ecosystem. You know, as you were saying before, it's not like the Saudis and football are trying to take over the entire sport where you know, as I said at the start, the Saudis basically exposed some of the flaws in the structures of professional golf. Yeah. And they could come in with, you know, a billion or two billion dollars, which would, you know, couldn't even buy you a football club mm. in some instances. But they've been able to completely disrupt our game with that money. So, you know, it exposed some of those flaws. And, and hopefully, you know, we can all put our heads together and think about what's the best thing for, for the game going forward. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I just want to touch on one of your other loves, which is Manchester United. And you've said publicly that um, you'd like to own a small percentage <laughs> in Manchester United and be a, a part owner. What do you make of what's currently going on? Is that realistic? Have you had approaches from anybody to actually invest at any point? I think it's sad what's happened because it's got to the point where you've got owners of a football club can't even go to their yeah. own club and watch games yeah. because, you know, the fans are just so disillusioned with what's going on, especially, you know, I grew up watching United in the 90s and early 2000s and um, even, you know, this Beckham documentary a few weeks ago, and it, it just reminds you of how good the football was and, and you know, the, the good times um, and sort of what we've been going through for the last, well, basically since Sir Alex left has been, um, and for my generation of Man United fan, we're just not used to it. Yeah. And, you know, I just think the club has become, um, it's sort of this, like, it's this toxic culture that I don't think will be able to be broken until... You know, the, the owners yeah. go, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's, it's a, it's a, maybe not a, as hard a thing to say for some people, but it's, it's sad that, you know, people that come in and they've owned a football club and they've, you know, spent quite a bit of money. I mean, they've taken a lot of money out too, but they've spent a bit of money, but they just... It's all generated by United though. Yeah, it is. It is. So if you sign that lift contract for a billion... Can <laughs> <laughs> you buy it? Okay, you about... 20% that, I reckon. Like it'll, it'll, it'll buy you, like, a player. That's, like, that's about it. Player. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you got a chief executive as well waiting there's a Gary one. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah, that's what he's, he, you've got, yeah. so, have you got a partnership with Fenway Sports Group as well? Yeah, so What's Fenway... You so, do realise you can't invest in United. You'd have to lose that partnership, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, well, <laughs> so TGL, which is a, a new sort of... Um, high-tech indoor golf league that we're, that we're trying to start is in the States. that with Tiger? Yes. Yeah. So what is that? Just explain what that is. So basically it's going to be uh, Monday nights, prime time in America, so it's going to replace what? Monday like night football. Like the NFL. Yeah, Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when, when NFL stops, um, we're going to sort of take that slot on, on right. Monday nights, and it's going to be a kickoff to the week on the PGA Tour. So there's, right now there's six teams. Um, four players on a team and it's an indoor it's an indoor arena where anything inside of 50 yards um, you play it, like onto a, a green that can rotate it can the slopes can change and it's sort You're of like quite a crazy golf a little bit but it's like it's a made for TV right. um, but anything outside 50 yards you hit into this massive um, basically a massive simulator it's like mm -hmm. a, the size of an IMAX screen right. just more tech involved in terms of like ball speeds and launch angles and spin rates and right. just sort of trying to make it a more interactive um, an interactive experience for people. It'll be two hours. It's not as if you have to sit in front of your TV for six hours and watch the golf like you usually do. It's like fun and fast and different formats and everyone will be mic'd up and it's a bit more of like an okay. entertainment product rather than like pure golf, but something to try to 
engage a different demographic, you know, try to get the younger, younger generation into golf in some way. In terms of sort of uh, your career, what is it that you've got left to do? What is it that you think, I've got to achieve this before I finish playing golf? I mean, I'd love to win the Masters. That's the only... I'd love, you that I have I'd love you to win. <laughs> I stop. Thank, when, thank if you, you. When you, you. When you. When you. When it doesn't happen for you in the Masters, you, you stop, <laughs> I stop watching. I stop watching because I, stop, I want to. I want to see. I wish I could stop watching too. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that tournament? Because obviously, so many British golfers have won that tournament, haven't they? Yeah. So. Uh, it's just it's such a. Um, you know, St Andrews is where the game started, mm. but like Augusta's become this like cathedral of yeah. golf in some way, and like all the you know all the greats of the game have won there in the past, and it's the only major that we go back to each and every year on the same golf course. So yeah. it just becomes this like it just it seems like it gets bigger and bigger every year, and and it's the first major of the year too. So every you know it's just it's more hyped up and more. Yeah. You know you know what I don't like about the. Um about the Masters is getting there and there's some blokes who can go in that place with their green jacket and I can't go. <laughs> I couldn't have been able to do How do you think I feel? That's the same. <laughs> you need a green jacket I'm to go in. I'm here that Tiger teases people. I, I, I see you later. I've just got, I've got to go in. <laughs> I, just yeah. got, you know, when, what Wrighty just said then, if, if you're not doing well, he switches off. And I'll be honest, I'm a little bit like that because I don't know all the, the golfers. And, and there's this big build-up to Augusta or the other majors. It's over four days, and that first day doesn't go well, and you almost think, oh. Yeah. You almost know it's gone after, so not quite the first day, but maybe the second day as well. How is that for you, sort of mentally, for the next couple of days when you've had this big build up that you know you, you think you're going to be in the room? Is it? Oh, you used to feel at like half time at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one, though. It's just that, it's a good question, James. And then, and then if you if you start and you are starting well, Rory, with all the. The pressure that's on you because it's the grand slam. Yeah. That you're, you're, so, so how do you, how do you deal with the fact that maybe you start badly and you think oh, I might get it going, or you start brilliant and you think oh this might be happening? Yeah. Yeah. It's and they're they're different sides of the same coin in terms of like having to stay in the present, in the moment, all the cliche stuff. But um, so even a good one this year, I was I shot even par the first day, which was like an average enough mm. first day, but it wasn't terrible. And I was on the first green on the second morning and I saw Brooks Kepka was coming up the eighth. Uh, and there's the big white scoreboard there by the, by the eighth green. And I saw that he'd already got to 10 under Jeez. and I'm even par. So I'm, but I'm like, it's only 19 holes into the tournament, but I'm there thinking, geez, I'm, I'm 10 behind already. Like I have to start pressing mm. when actually what's worked best for me is like, it doesn't, I can't control what he does. I can't control the leaderboard. And like the worst thing I did that day was look at the leaderboard because if I hadn't have known, the, the, the winning score ended up being 10 under, I think. Right. So I thought I needed to get to 10 under in the space of like 18 or 27 holes when I actually could have said, okay, chill out, it's fine. You know, go and play your normal game and see where you're at. But I think whenever I've gotten into trouble, especially at that tournament, is when I start looking around and I'm like, oh, well, he's doing this and I should be there. And yeah. you start you putting pressure on yourself. I'm surprised that with the success in the sort of maturity that you have. I'm surprised that you still have those moments. It's actually quite, you know, great to hear in terms of a vulnerability, really. Yeah, it's, it's because, you know, it's, uh, I think at Augusta too, for me, I, I, I sometimes do things that I wouldn't normally do because of what it is and the pressure and all this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm completely open about that. That's yeah. not a, I, I think I need to embrace that instead of like shutting away from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one thing, you know, and, and every time you go back, you learn something different. And, you know, I've had my chances at Augusta before and um, 
every year it's like, okay, you know, mm. I'll take that little bit and I'll try to put it into the next year. And so, but after 14 or 15 years of it, you're like, okay, let's, it's time to get this done. You, you said know, you had your chances there. <clears throat> Why, were you cleared a few times? Or yeah, I was four ahead uh, going into the last day in 2011. Right. And I was one ahead going into the back nine. Um, right, but that's not much though, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's still like four ahead going into the last day is like, a, mm. and then I was in the final group uh, in 2018 um, with Patrick Reed. Uh, I finished second to Scotty last year, but it mm. was, um, I was sort of, I started a long, a long way behind and, and had a really good last, last day. But, um, yeah, I've had... So like, the four, you're four ahead, but do you think then you played badly or did everyone else do really well? Well, so that was, uh, so the, that year, Charles Schwartzel um, won. He birdied the first, birdied the second, eagled the third. So like I'm starting off and like that four shot lead has gone, gone after. It's like momentum in football, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you just it's feel exact... somebody has it and you're just losing a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you just have to be mentally really, really good to snap out of that or, or refocus back into what <clears> you're doing. Um, especially there, if anyone's been to Augusta, you can hear the roars and you can hear everything happening. And you know, that, you know that's different than a lot of other golf courses you know, as well. You know your first major win, if, if I remember rightly, did you, the major before, did you? We, yeah, that was the master. So the Masters so you, in 2011. So you were well in front and got pulled back. Yeah. I, I always think, you know, mentally sort of sleeping the night before when you're yeah. sort of, mm. you've got it in, yeah. in your hand and you almost yeah. feel you can only lose it. Yeah. I mean, what's that like, especially when you've never won the major before? Yeah, it's hard. It's, um, to me, I need to distract myself. So watch a movie, read a book, do something else. The more I... I think about it, the more I play out scenarios in my head, okay, well, what if I miss a fairway left on one? Or what if I miss this green? Or what if I, you know, when you start to ruminate and you start to think about all the places that you don't want to hit it, <laughs> instead of, you know, I, I'd rather distract myself for, you know, think about anything else. And then once I get to the golf course, then you're like, okay, well, it's just a normal round of golf. And I go and I play. And, mm. But it's, it's a, you know, I'd say that the night before a a, a cup final or something's mm. probably the same thing. You're probably... Yeah. Mm. Ronnie was saying exactly the same stuff, Ronnie, and we've done it before big games. You're, if your head takes off... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, even like... Stop like, it, isn't it? Like mm. Ronnie O'Sullivan could... Like, he could do a one four seven in his sleep, left-handed. He can do whatever, mm. but then the only person stopping him from doing that on the big occasion is himself. Mm. And it's the same thing with all of us, or oh, definitely yeah. for me. Like, I, I know I can win. I know I can beat all these guys, so the only person that's stopping me from doing it is is myself and my thoughts and that's why you just have to really be and that's why Tiger was so good he was just so mentally strong yeah. and he was so much mentally better than, than anyone you have loads of people around you sports psychology the whole yeah, yeah I've, I've, can you have I've too worked, much of that as well I think you can have too much too right. yeah and, you, and I've went down the rabbit hole of like reading books and you know um, I think Ronnie works with Steve Peters okay. you know and I've, I've read that book The Chimp Paradox and I've worked with all you know so you can go down that rabbit hole too of, of maybe looking too much into too it yeah Talk to us about Tiger in terms of obviously a phenomenon uh, in golf uh, and your relationship with him. Yeah, so um, I, I feel very fortunate that um, you know Tiger was my my hero growing up um, in golf, and we, we forged a really good relationship. And sometimes you know people say like, "Oh, you don't want to meet your heroes." <laughs> <laughs> But um but he's been really good with me over the years and really good with my family and like you know, 
my mom and my dad and my wife Erica and our our daughter Poppy and like mm. he's been he's been great with with all of us and um and I've you know forged a good relationship with him and I, I almost I feel like sometimes he sees me as like a little brother in a way and he can relate to me and he's trying to help me out and you know I'll you know I've been over to his house a couple of times and he'll show me shots and you know things oh this is what I try to do or this is what I feel and um I feel like I'm really lucky that you know I've been able to to learn those things from him and and the fact that he is so open with me and, wa and wants to share because um I don't feel like he's like that with everyone so wow. pretty pretty lucky that's amazing that, that that's a powerful image you and you and Tiger just having tea and said, let me just come, come and just show you a couple of shots. Yeah. Rory and Tiger, that's yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. So you know, I, I think I, I want it in on I went, I think I want it on blue on a blue velvet like picture. <laughs> That he's, looking for an, he's looking for an invite here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You're just looking for a chipping lesson. No, 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 just, uh, you know, I was going to ask you, Rory, something that happens with me because, like, um, um, like you say, just looking at the, um, <laughs> looking at the, the scoreboard can, like, make you think of stuff. I was looking at a guy who I was playing with and one of his belt loops weren't done and it put my game off. <laughs> That's how bad my concentration is. <laughs> and another thing... Rory, I need you to, to help me with is how, how do I deal with jealousy on the golf course when someone's playing, playing better than me and I'm trying my best? What do, how do I block that out? Because I can't get rid of the jealousy. I hate when someone's playing better than me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking, Rock. Is there any? Well, I can help you with the first bit. What? Tell the guy fix his belt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the jealousy. You, you, you don't get jealousy. You no, don't I don't get. I mean, I think the thing is in golf, it's not. I don't, I, as I said, I don't feel like I'm competing against anyone else but myself because I can't, I can't tackle someone. I can't like, you know. Rory, I even if, lose to myself. Yeah, well, that's, it's so, I think over the years, I've just, I've, I, I can't control what other people do and I can't, you can only, you know, focus Rory, on what it, you what's do. What's it like when I always think the, the last round of a, of a major or any tournament, the, the best two players are the top yep. to play alongside each other and go out last. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, what's that like when you know that the two years are basically going for this? You're right next to each other. He's teeing off. You're next. I mean, how does that work? Yeah, it's hard because the one thing in golf is you don't want to be dragged into like a match play situation if you're in the final group because the guys that are playing in front of you, you know, and have like a two or three hole head start, you know, they could get off to a good, you know, and if you just keep looking at what the guy's doing beside you, you know, you, yeah. you mm. think you're playing okay and you're like, oh, I'm still keeping my nose in front of him, but... There could be someone, Absolutely. you know, that's already on the back nine that's three or four ahead. So um, I just don't think you don't try to give them too much. You don't, I mean, you're, they're there and you, you know what they're doing, but I mean, you're just trying to stay in your own little world so much. I'm, I'm, just, thinking, I'm just thinking when you tee off and it's like a par three and they go first and they just put it right by the hole and you're thinking, oh no. You know what I mean? That thing does that add that little bit more pressure. Yeah, but the good thing in golf is even if you, they put it to this to the hole, I mean, you can still hit it to 15 feet and hold the putt. You know, there's always going to be opportunities to mm. one-up them or do something better. So, um, and at the end of the day, like, you're, the only thing that matters is the, is the number on the scorecard mm. after 18 holes. So you just have to try to keep playing the long game and trying to stay patient and not getting, not getting dragged into the little moments during the round and just sort of try to, Try to see the bigger picture. But if you do, sorry, it's interesting that you're talking about not getting distracted by the score. But if someone's getting good scores and you're not aware of it, surely someone must come up and go, "Listen, you've got to, well, you've I, got to take a few more gambles." But yeah, just maybe later in. Yeah, but maybe later, maybe right. not until maybe the back nine. And do you enjoy that Sunday. side of it? Sometimes you go, I, "No, you've got to go for it." Absolutely, like, I love match play. Like right. I, I, I mean, 
everyone sees how much I get into the Ryder Cup and yeah. like how, like I I love that right. side of it. I love that, and I think as I've gotten a bit older and and more like advanced in my career, I've become more competitive, right. and I've I really like I I love that aspect of. I feel like golf gives me that. You know, it gives me that ability to be competitive at something, and I really enjoy that part of it. So yeah, I I love that like bit of needle, bit of gamesmanship, but I, mm. yeah, like that's that's think, a part of it. I think the, the next Ryder Cup, because of um, everything that happened this one with with Cantley and everything, Lacava, what he was doing, I think the next one in America, they're gonna it's you're gonna be, tough. that's the one. I, you yeah. know something? I might come to that one just to be in in and around you, the crowd, just to, 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 because I think that that one's gonna be intense. Well, you, you called his caddy a dick, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, Gal. I was going to give you a way out of that. To be honest, what was going on? Pat was Rory was sizing up, and what was going on? And you know, Patrick Cantley, to be fair. You shake hands with him after. Or? Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah. that was all. That was all fine. Like it was <laughs> like so. You know, that happened on the 18th green, and then shook hands after. Everything was okay. <clears throat> Got back into the team room, and she and Laurie was given this. Actually, it's incredible, like, motivational talk and, like, we're going to kill them tomorrow and we're going to beat them by more than they beat us last time and all this sort of stuff. And as he's saying this, I'm just getting, like, wow. angrier and angry, yeah. <laughs> angrier about what happened. And then that sort of riled me up to, you know, what happened in the, in the car park um, afterwards. But I, it was, you know, I think if you think about, so, you know, you go and you play an away game at Anfield, you get abused for 90 minutes. Yeah. You know, Cantley got abused for... Yeah. 10 hours yeah, yeah, out on that golf course so like you know that that gets to you at some point yeah, yeah. and I actually think he handled it really well and like how he played those last few holes yes birdie on 16 birdie on 17 big putt at the last like fair play I mean that was you know it's, yeah. it's huge balls and and that gave his team a glimmer of hope going into the last day so like as a as a competitor and as a golfer like I you know I've yeah. nothing but respect for Patrick Cantley he's an amazing yeah. player um but then you know all the stuff that happened afterwards, and I lost it too. Like I, I'm calling people. Yeah, you want to be careful. Be. That. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, watch that temper. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, good. Must be something about where we're from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, there's things like that happened after that that I regret. Like I, I used some language in front of people that I, you should never use, and yeah. like I'm sitting there in the car afterwards, going, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But you know, we. Well, again, we shook hands and made yeah. up and we had, a, we had a beer together on the Sunday night and everything was, was fine. Do you want to talk a little bit about growing up um, and how you get into golf? Uh, believe it or not, I actually played golf and um, went and bought a club. Uh, one club, me and Phil used to go on the sort of local field and play, hit hundreds of balls. And then when I first bought a house, got a professional contract at United, <laughs> bought a house on the back of a golf course. We used to go every single night. I was obsessed with golf. But it is quite an exclusive sport because... One, the clubs cost a lot, but secondly, more, more importantly, the actual joining of a golf club costs a lot as well, and it excludes a lot of people, young people. It's not played in schools, yeah. um, and to be fair, it's a really intimidating place. When you first join a golf club as a junior, I, I wasn't made to feel welcome. I didn't feel like it was a sort of welcome experience. The, yeah. the, the, the seniors want to come through you all the time, or they sort of push you off the tee and things like that. How does golf change its reputation and become more of a part, you know, increased participation, basically? Absolutely. So um, I think we've all felt that. I think that it's, it's, even as you're saying that, I feel like golf is much more accessible in this country than it is even in the United States or yeah. other parts of Europe or other parts of the world. So we still have a long way to go to 
increase the accessibility of it. Um, and as you said, it's not like you can just, like football, you can bring a football out to anywhere. You yeah. can play football on the road if you want. You know, yeah. it's not, it's, it's a, it's a, there's more of an effort to get, to get into it. So I think, um, like some of these like new things that are coming through, like Top Golf or like a, a less intimidating introduction to yeah. the game of golf, I think is really really helpful because hopefully people go to a Top Golf or one of these driving ranges and they like hitting some balls. They're like, oh, I'd like to go yeah. maybe take a lesson from a, a local pro, and then you go to a golf club and you start to get into it that way. But I think if you can give people a less, or kids especially, a less intimidating introduction introduction to it, I think that's a that's a big start. And then. Yeah, golf clubs probably have a long way to go to, but I think that mentality is changing since, you know, even since I joined a golf club or, or yeah. your experience back in the day, I think the mentality is changing and I think people are starting to understand that, okay, you know, golf isn't going to, you know, golf's going to be a dying sport if we don't introduce young people to it and, and bring the next generation up with us. So, but it is, it's a, it's something that golf is has struggled with and will continue to struggle with because of the expense it costs to play cl golf clubs, golf balls, all this do you, stuff. Do you play, Roy? No, I tried a few I times. Tried, I tried him to, to get involved. He won't get Hard to imagine, but I had no patience with it. <laughs> just, no, no, I just never... It I tried so long, it. doesn't it? Yeah, but I like watching it. I really enjoy watching okay. golf, but just never had the patience. To so what do, you, what do you do? What do you do now for like a hobby? <laughs> just relax, walk my dogs. Yeah, don't do too much really. Podcasts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I love you watching. Still, like, go to the gym? Do you no, do it? No. No, no to motivation to go to the gym. Okay. No, none whatsoever. I think I was so intense when I was a player, and even as a young kid, when I was eight, nine, I trained properly, and then when I stopped playing, that was, done. That was it. Yeah. 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 Feel that. Yeah. It's not too late to take it up, though. Maybe I, if I had a few lessons, maybe. <laughs> well, now that we're all good again, yeah. I'm happy to offer my services. It's actually a better... I think it's a better sport to watch on television oh, sometimes yeah. than it is. Oh, like, I, went to, I went to the Ryder Cup final day at Belfry. It would have been... Oh, 2004, six, 2002. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I went to the yeah. final day. And the practice part was brilliant during the day. But actually, I just stood on, I think it was like the, what's the long par four you can hit over the water at the Belfry? Is it 10th or 11th? 10. 10. So yeah. I was on 9th. Couldn't get near the 10th. Of course, yeah. Because of the crowd, you mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And then you just literally watch, basically, it was obviously 12 pairs. You saw 24 shots. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, That's 24 shots all oh, day. So you're saying it's better to watch on the oh, TV? Oh, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's Especially the Ryder Cup. Yeah, the Ryder yeah, Cup Ryder is brilliant. It is funny. It's, um, you know, it is a smaller sport, so we don't have the viewership that football does, for example. Yeah. So if you start to divide golf into, okay, one tour, this tour, another tour, yeah. Yeah. like you're just, you're, you're making life so difficult for yourself when you're just trying to, you know, increase the the viewership and the participation. That's the nice thing about golf as well. It's like everyone that watches golf plays golf mm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, but it's, a, it's a great game to, you know, I want, I'd love to go and play golf with my daughter one day and, and sort yeah, of yeah. share that experience. And so that's, that is the nice thing about golf. But as you said, it's still, we need to, to do a better job of, of have it be less intimidating at the, at the start. I've got some community questions here. And have you ever played golf? Well, I know the answer to this one because you. Yeah. Have you ever played golf with any ex-football players? Any that stand out that are really good? Um, Phil, haven't you? And Scholes. Yeah, uh, Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, Teddy's good, Teddy's good, good player. Um, Gareth Bale. Yeah, Gareth. Guess he's an ex-footballer now, yeah. is he? Um, is he actually? Is he like a quote scratch 
I mean, I know that he has he has big... the he has the potential to get a scratch. I think his the way he hits the ball, he could definitely be a scratch player. But he's only played for like the last few years, yeah. so like there's a difference between being able to hit the golf ball well and playing golf mm. and getting yourself around a golf course and like yeah. managing your game. So I think that's the part that he's sort of learning now. But he he can hit it really really good. There's a difference, isn't there? Do you laugh a little bit when you see sometimes? I've seen it a few times. A football player say, "Oh, we're going to go and become a pro golfer." Now it's happened over the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Like, and you've been playing since you were like really like three, yeah. like and hit a million balls a week since you were three. And basically, someone rocks up at the end of sort of like the just But that's probably the, but that mindset is probably what made them such a good player or such yeah. you know that's successful is because it's this. Well, no, yeah, of course I'm just going to do that. Like, why why wouldn't I? Mm. You know, like because everything in their life has sort of been okay. Well, I've achieved this and I've achieved this and I've achieved that. So. Why Michael Jordan that? came on the tour, did he, for a short while, was it? Or did he do play a couple of events? He, no, not really. I mean, he's not. He, I mean, he's a, a decent player, but he's probably off like six. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, but he's not a. He's not a. I mean, he's not a pro, but he, he plays. <laughs> but he plays more golf than I do. But um, <laughs> it's true. It uh, How often do you play? How often do you practice now? So during the season. Um, it's hard, like, if you play a run of events in a row, say I play, like, three or four weeks in a row, and say I have, like, a couple of weeks off before I go back, I'll probably take um, the first three or four days off of that two-week stretch and just, yeah. you know, get away from it, and then I'll build myself back up and start practicing hitting balls, and then by the end of that next week, going back into tournaments, you're on the course, you're playing, you're trying to get sharp. Because, yeah. as I said, there's a big difference between hitting the ball well and actually being sharp and scoring, and mm. you know. So, yeah. you said um, you said like a lot of the the game of golf is your head, but after a, a, a tough tournament, are you physically drained as well? Would you be exhausted, like physically? Um, after a few weeks in a row, I'm, I'm physically exhausted after the Ryder Cup because we play, you know, 36 on uh, Friday, 36 on Saturday, and then the last day. And I think as well that's such a quick turnaround, so. Right, for some reason, I think as I'm getting older as well, I'm like, whew, this is long. But um, we got back to the the hotel from the golf course at about nine o'clock on Friday night this year. Alarm went at four o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, I heard about that. To get back to the course, and you know, we were playing. Like I think Tommy and I were the first or second foursomes out at like half seven that morning. I like to get to the course three hours before I play. Do all my preparation, do my warm up, yeah. do all that stuff. Yeah, just so I don't feel rushed. So, right. like, I'm getting to the golf course at half four for a half seven. So it was a quick turnaround. So by, you know, by Saturday night, I'm just like, I'm, I'm so happy to. Are you getting have a, because, have of a lion. because of my diet? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to bed early. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that because one of the things that footballers always hate is that bit of the hour and a half in the change room waiting to go out and play. But you seem to extend that period and. I like the routine. I'm very routine. I mean, if I if I get knocked out of my routine, that's when I'll start okay. to like, uh, you know, just feel uneasy. So yeah, okay. I've got a, a sort of routine that I like to go through, and it yeah. just makes me feel more comfortable when I when it comes time to play. Who's the golfer that you get on with best? And is there any golfer that you don't get on with? Just go down the live list. <laughs> um, so I've become. I, I played amateur golf with uh, with Shane Laurie. Um, and we've become really close over the last uh, last couple of years. Um, our our wives have become really really close as well. So it's um, it's just become this like really nice yeah. sort of relationship and um, play a ton of practice rounds together. Um, they actually moved to a similar place to us in in 
Florida, so we see each other all the time. So, um, yeah, he'd, he'd be the, the closest one. Shane's he's one of the greats, man. Man won it. He won the, the Irish Open as an amateur. Man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's arguably one of the best, and I'm not saying Rory's amazing as well. Short game, I, I, I think you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, great hands. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, Shame great man. hands. Yeah. I think you've answered this, but I'll ask it again. Who's your favourite footballer growing up? Was it um, I mean, I think it was Beckham for a, for a good part of it, and then, um, and then loved Rooney. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I love going, I still have season tickets at United and I love going there and watching, just watching Wayne because he'd just work so hard and he'd run everywhere and you just like, you, you felt exhausted after watching him for 90 <laughs> minutes and yeah. I just, you know, to be that good but also to have that work ethic and track back when someone loses the ball or if you lose it, like he just, like to me, he just looked like he loved football and loved it. And yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I loved, I just, I, I loved watching him play. He's, he's, to be fair, you, ask some, you get asked sometimes about underrated player um, because he's not normally in the conversation when you think about best United players. But he, in terms of when I, I get asked him about best United 11, yeah. he's always number one centre forward. Yeah. He's the best by a mile yeah. that I played with. Best by a mile in terms yeah. of goals, effort. Everything assists. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree? Would you? Would you yeah. say he was? Yeah. yeah. Amazing player. Yeah. And it's amazing to think that all the great stuff that he's done that you would say like underappreciated in yeah. some way. He's it's never like, up so. there when you saw the legends of football. You yeah. People don't usually say yeah. Wayne Rooney for some reason. Yeah, but, but to be his he's level from from the age of sixty, he never dropped his level. He, no. You know, he, when he came on the scene with a goal against Arsenal. Yeah. Everything. His trajectory was just up all the time for all his career was yeah. at the very very top. You don't see many games where Wayne Rooney was poor. You don't see many. You can't remember too many of those. Maybe because he finished a bit early, didn't he? Maybe uh, just yeah, like from yeah. 60. Of course, I get it. I get it. And if people look at Ronaldo and these boys, how they look, maybe Wayne didn't look out. Maybe people just kind of judge him on that side. Of maybe. It. Maybe. maybe. But when they don't talk about him being one oh, of yeah, the greatest. He played, he, he he played in the era of Ronaldo and yeah. Messi as well. So, yeah. like, that, they're going to dominate that conversation. Yeah, of course. Is... Yeah, but yeah, a brilliant player. Without yeah. 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 What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, Don't ask people for autographs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> tough one. I don't know. We were actually talking about. We were actually talking at breakfast this morning before coming here about talking about how all these you know footballers are becoming so much bigger and stuff. And I was always a small kid, and my dad would always say to me, um, "Rory, if you're good enough, you're big enough." Right. That was always like a big thing. He's like, yeah. "If you're good enough, you're big enough." Like I was always. I'm still a small you know, guy and like even golfers are getting, you know, big lads now, six two, six three and um so that was always like my dad was always a real positive, real see the silver lining and everything and um I feel like I've got a lot of that from him, which, you know, has made me quite resilient sort of in my career. Yeah. Did you do a lot of weights? Did you did you do a lot of weights or do you stop? I, I do I, I I I do now. I didn't when I was growing up um at all. I wasn't into staying fit or staying healthy and um I actually got I had a stress fracture in one of my vertebrae when I was 21. And the, the doctor said to me, if you don't like start looking after yourself and doing a bit of strength training and eating better, you know, you're gonna, you know, your career mightn't last that long. So that was sort of a big wake, wake up call for me to start looking after myself a bit better. And, um, and it sort of coincided with starting to win majors and starting to, you know, got the world number one the year after. So yeah. to me, it was like, I, 
I sort of made the connection of looking after myself, being healthy, getting into the gym with becoming a better golfer. So that's why I've always sort of tried to stay in shape and look after myself. You're three or four months away from the Masters. What is it that you're going to do differently this year <laughs> to prepare for the Masters <laughs> and win it? Um, I'm actually going to play quite a bit. I feel like the, the schedule on tour is a bit stop-start going into the Masters. So sometimes I actually went through a whole stats review with my team last week and I've got this trend over the last few years where um, May, June, July, August, like that stretch is like my best stretch of golf. Yeah. And they're like, well, if we can just get that into April when the Masters happens, mm -hmm. then maybe. So I think maybe plan a bit more and being a little sharper. So I'm going to try to play quite a few tournaments leading up to Augusta just to be still feel like rested and ready to go, but just be as, as sharp as possible. If you never won it, would you, would you feel? Um, I think I would be comfortable with not, but, you know, I would probably look back with a, with a tinge of right. sort of regret. Um, but I'd still be able to, you know, I'd still look back and be very happy with what I've course, done. Yeah. And, um, because I never expected to get as far as I have. So, um, but yeah, I'd look back and be like, you know, of what, what, what could have been. And, mm. you know, you get to go back to that champion's dinner every Tuesday night at Augusta if you win. And, you know, there's little yeah. things like well, that that I would miss yeah. if, I, if I wasn't to do it. But um, yeah, Well, if it's only constant, Ronnie, when Ronnie came on, he, he, after he came on here, he won his eighth championship. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be fine, Ron. Do you get to choose the food at the dinner or something oh is that yeah champions dinner champions yeah so the, yeah the, the past so what, champion what would your food what would your dish be uh, i don't know get roy's missus is irish stew yeah if you have the masters yeah. you have the irish stew and i'd serve you right <laughs> <laughs>